It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I am so excited right now because it is Filipino American History Month, and I am joined by Dr. Kevin Nadal, a scholar, activist, and author of Filipino American psychology. Very excited to have this conversation. It is the first time that we are talking about this issue on this show, but it will not be the last. Professor, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for having me, Jess. So good to hear you and talk with you today. No, I am really excited for this conversation because it's a blind spot for me like big time. And it's not because I don't appreciate the culture and it's not because I don't appreciate the food, especially my God, the food. Uh, But this is not, I didn't get taught Filipino American history and Filipino Americans are the second largest Asian American group in the U S what, why don't, why do you think it is that we don't see that sort of attention paid to that country's history and the way that history is intertwined with our own? You know, um, thanks so much for saying all this, Jess. You know, you're not alone in that most people don't learn about Filipino-American history, which is so odd given uh, the very close relationship and history uh, between the Philippines and the United States. Most people don't even know that the Philippines was a U.S. territory right. uh, for almost 50 years. I think um, I learned people, that from movies, honestly. Yeah, yeah. most people don't even know that most of World War II, at least in Asia, was fought in the Philippines. Um, most people don't know that Filipinos have been here uh, since the 1700s with the first of them landing or arriving in 1587. So it's not um, something that is, you know, anyone is at fault um, personally for not knowing this, but it is a question that I've been trying to figure out my entire uh, (laughs) academic career uh, because it doesn't make sense, right? Uh, Right. Filipinos are one of the largest Asian American groups, one of the largest immigrant groups. Uh, We've been here for such a long period of time, um, but we see uh, that there has been a boost in most recent years with other Asian ethnic groups, um, with East Asian we saw crazy rich Asians blow up and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, uh, all, and even with South Asians, with, uh, you know, people like Mindy Kaling and, uh, you know, Hasan Minaj uh, blow up. But we don't have uh, Filipinos that are really um, being as present, at least those who identify as Filipino and, you know, proudly say they're Filipino. We don't have movies, TV shows. Um, but, I, you know, the thing that many of us just keep on coming back to is that it is likely a product of colonialism, um, that because the Philippines was colonized by the United States, uh, that there is this sense that Filipinos, um, you know, aren't that interesting or that we're so Americanized or that, uh, you know, the United States wants to even um, erase that history of colonialism and violence. And by highlighting the Filipinos, um, it brings up this uh, idea that the United States, you know, wasn't that great of a country. I mean, still in many ways isn't, (laughs) but, uh, you know, has been colonizing and trying to build this empire. Right. The Philippines was the first uh, country in Asia that they that they violently took over um, in the same way that the Spanish took over the Philippines, um, you know, for centuries prior to that. So it, it, it is something that I don't understand either why this group is being so overlooked. I mean, even from like a very political perspective, like we're uh, a voting yeah. bloc. 
we're a voting bloc. We have so many Filipinos that can vote for you to win an election. Um, but yet there isn't a lot of that's paid attention to us. No, I, I mean, uh, my my career is largely in electoral politics, largely in campaign life. And I don't think I've ever been in a room where the Filipino voting bloc was discussed. We can we can right. bisect the, the Vietnamese voting bloc until right. we're talking about the specifics of the Hmong community. We can talk about the difference between yeah. the Cuban-American experience and the Central American-American experience and, and the, the various needs that those two groups are very, very different. Right. And yet this is a really large group of people. And I yep. want to ask you specific. I mean, colonialism ruins the party again is is a regular segment on, sure. on this show. But but I wanted to ask you about about the classification of Filipinos like on yeah. on the U.S. census. They're categorized mm-hmm. as Asian. Mm-hmm. But many Filipinos identify as Pacific Islander. A yep. lot of them identify as Latinx. Yep. Because yep. of. So- the history yeah, of Spanish cool. colonialism. So, so talk a little bit about about that, and maybe does does that contribute to our our yeah. reason to talk about them? I mean, I think it might. I mean, one of the things that, that you know, what you're alluding to is that Filipinos have such a unique identity. Um, we were colonized by uh, the Spanish for almost 400 years. We were colonized by the United States for almost 50 years. Uh, we have brown skin. Um, we are east of, uh, of the mainland Asia. We are west of the Pacific Islands. Um, and so there are a lot of different things going on. Like phenotypically, when Filipinos walk down the street, many times people mistake us for other other races. I can't tell you mm-hmm. how many times a day I get spoken to in Spanish. Um, and so, you know, part of that racialization confuses people and in some ways um, even like makes them, you know, less interested in some ways or not want to learn more. Oh, yeah. Um, we don't like exploring things that can yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. Um, and by we, I mean, I mean, white Americans. <laughs> uh, sure. And, by, and the identity piece to this is that, you know, that racialization has been happening um, since Filipinos first even got here to the United States. People didn't know what to do with us. Um, so interestingly enough, um, people at uh, the census didn't even um, identify Asian people as Asian until the 1970s. Prior to that, Wait. we were just Filipinos. Yes, wow. we were um, we were individual ethnic groups, Chinese, Japanese, Filipino. Those were the three main ones. Um, so Asian-American really came up as a result of uh, the Asian-American movement started in the 1960s um, on the West Coast. Uh, so prior to that, there was no such thing as Asian. Obviously, people could notice people have different racial groups, um, but but that wasn't it. So um, even in that formation of Asian Americans, Filipinos felt like this this identity may not necessarily fit us. Um, And so even in the 1960s, as Asian American activists started to say, let's come up with this term that we can use that will um, be this voting block um, that we could use as a political voice, that Filipinos were like, okay, I like this, and then started to feel like, wait, but we're kind of left out of this because you keep on erasing us or we're not uh, as as uh, seen as as Asian as you are. Um, and so they started calling themselves even brown Asians back then. Mm-hmm. So to to qualify what type of Asian they were. Um, and then, you know, as the 80s and 90s progressed, Filipinos started to recognize like, oh, I don't know if I'm necessarily included in this Asian American group. And so many Filipinos started to explore, well, maybe we're Pacific Islander. Um, and so some Filipinos, especially in places uh, like the 
the West Coast uh, started to identify as Pacific Islander because technically the Philippines is an island country that is right. in the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. Um, but nowadays, people know, well, no, Pacific Islanders really refers to people um, who are of Polynesian background, who are from that very specific part um, of, of the, the world. Um, and so, and then Filipinos were also like, well, we have Spanish colonizers uh, who have taught us uh, Catholicism. 90% of Filipinos are Catholic, an additional 5% are Christian. Um, we have many cultural values, similar foods, um, music, a language um, as, as Latino people, Latinx people. Um, so maybe we're Latinx. Um, and so there was this movement um, to perhaps identify as part of that. Um, but then, you know, the whole idea was, well, why are we uniting ourselves based on this, this common Spanish colonialism, right? So right. it really is an identity crisis for a lot of Filipino Americans. I mean, technically, yes, Filipinos are Asian um, and are classified under Asian American. Um, but even earlier on, um, the, the U.S. Department of Education um, for a while classified Filipinos as Pacific Islanders. Hmm. Um, there have been, you know, other uh, federal programs that have classified Filipinos as Hispanic at one point. Um, so it's not just us with the identity issues. It's also that people don't know what to do with us. Um, and so that's been a big part of, um, you know, our, our own process, but also why people might not be um, as knowledgeable about Filipinos because we're just too confusing to them. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it is it is Filipino identity is, is one of those that just sort of explodes the whole race as construct yep. issue, like which, of course, is it's true. Like it is insane that we lump people from Pakistan in with the people yep. from Japan. Of that's course. nuts. That makes yeah. no sense. <laughs> we do it. And for some reason, that's what we've been doing for right. <laughs> uh, at least decades, but even centuries, you know. Um, and, and why is that? Right. Why is a Russian person um, not perceived or viewed or labeled <laughs> right. as Asian, um, but someone from Pakistan or someone, you know, even from the Pacific Islands? Like that's not even in Asia. People lump them all together um, under this umbrella of Asian American Pacific Islander. Well, like, how I did mean that happen? I, because I, I'm I'm just going to take a wild guess. I am not a professor in this at all. But white people wanted to lump everybody into categories yep. that they understood. Russians yep. looked like us. Ergo, they were not Asian. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I mean, people and, like categories. White people do. Yeah. Everyone likes categories. Right. But it's sure. like um, but that's it. And then it's and, and this is how culture happens. It just something was started. And then over time, it just became accepted. And then people didn't challenge it. Um, and then you have now Filipinos and other scholars who are challenging challenging the constructs of race. Um, and finally, people are like, oh, I guess, you know, but they're still not fully convinced that we need to perhaps uproot this entire way that we look at race. Just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Also, especially, I mean, the fact that you had to choose which Asian country you were going to identify with, like this is America. Yeah. We, we all we all got here and then we all married each other. Right. <laughs> like, like I, I mean, I remember when they, when they finally made it uh, possible to 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 check white comma Hispanic on the yeah. census. And I was finally able to fill out the census because before I had to right. choose white comma non-Hispanic yep. or Hispanic. And it's like, well, which side of my family do I do? I check this box on. Right. Yep. Yep. And that's something about the census, too. They didn't even allow multiracial people to choose yeah. um, all of their identities. You had to pick one. Um, and that was very recent. That wasn't multiracial wasn't even added to the census until 2000. Yeah. Um, and so when people think about the history of even that identity, uh, you know, we're, we're behind as well. And it's hard not to see the Filipino-American identity as as a biracial one, just with the history of colonialism right there. 
Sure. You know, and I, I think that's a big part of just our identities. We have so many influences that um, for us in, in a, on a, to reframe it positively mm-hmm. makes us such a unique, wonderful, beautiful culture. This is why the food is so good. <laughs> I mean, probably, let's be yeah, real. for sure. And um, at the same time, makes it so much more difficult for people to really understand us or, or classify us because people do like these rigid categories. So how did Filipino American History Month originate and, and what can people do during it in order to educate themselves? Because we didn't get in schools. Sure. Yeah. So Philippine American History Month was founded or established by the Philippine American National Historical Society, uh, which was founded by uh, Dr. Dorothy Lido Cordova um, and her husband, Fred Cordova, uh, Dr. Fred Cordova. Um, and they established the month simply for this reason, that they realized that Filipino history uh, was never taught. Um, at the time, they were, we were already celebrating uh, Black History Month, Asian and Pacific uh, Heritage Month, um, but Filipinos were oftentimes not even included um, in those conversations those teachings and so forth. Um, And so they decided we want to create a month. Um, This started in the late 1980s. They made it official in the early 1990s. um, And uh, they chose October to commemorate the first Filipinos who landed in what's now Morro Bay, California in October uh, 1587. Um, And these were Filipinos that were aboard the Spanish galleon ships uh, that traded between Spain, Mexico, and the Philippines. Um, They were indentured servants. Um, they weren't paid um, for years. Uh, they lived it. They worked in very dire conditions, violent conditions. Um, but th- those are the first documented Asian people um, here ever in the United States. Um, later, wow. some of those Manila men, um, which were, they were called, uh, then uh, they continued on this trade on an annual basis. Um, they jumped ship um, and they formed these communities in Louisiana, um, where they had been since the mid 1700s is the earliest documentation. Um, so the, the earliest Asian settlement here in the United States. Um, and so, you know, we commemorate the, the history of Filipino Americans um, here uh, t- that we've contributed so much from the farm workers um, who fought for labor rights. Um, the, in 1965 was the Great yep. Delano Grape Strike. It was started by Filipinos and Larry Itleon specifically and um, Philip Veracruz, uh, who had to convince Cesar Chavez to join the Grape Strike. Um, and... <laughs> Uh, as a result of that, uh, you know, we uh, the, the labor unions um, were able to advocate successfully. It was the, viewed as the most uh, successful labor movement um, in modern history. Um, but yet, Cesar Chavez um, gets all of the credit, um, and the Filipino farm workers don't. Um, we recognize Filipinos served um, in the U.S. military uh, with over 250,000 Filipino and Filipino Americans who uh, served alongside U.S. troops in World War II. Um, yet uh, they were promised uh, U.S. citizenship. They were promised military benefits. They didn't get those um, until 2009. Um, and even then, most of them died. Um, and so, you know, this this is a repeated part of our history that we keep on doing these amazing, wonderful things, contributing to uh, this country, yet are forgotten, are overlooked, um, are pushed to the side, marginalized. Um, and so we are really trying to take control of our narrative. We are really trying to make sure people know that Filipino Americans um, exist. We've been here. Um, we've done a lot for this country. Um, and if, if I know, can talk about yeah. a, a recent uh, a recent sure. issue that that illustrates exactly the point that you're making. We learned over the summer that 25 percent of covid deaths among yeah. nurses have mm-hmm. been Filipino. Philo- 
Filipino American nurses. Yeah. Can, can you talk a little bit about why that profession is so prominent among Filipino Americans and, and, and how yeah. that relates to, to everything that you've just been saying about our history? Yeah, of course. And this is a very personal topic to me because my mother is a retired nurse. Oh, she worked as a her nurse for, her service. For, yeah, for decades. Um, and she was among the first nurses to come to the United States. And the reason why this happened um, was because after the U.S. Uh, colonized the Philippines um, in the early 1900s, uh, they had a, a plan in mind that they wanted um, to make sure that these Filipinos um, would become Americanized so that then they could have this empire of all across the world. Um, so one of the things that they brought was Western medicine to the Philippines. Um, and they specifically targeted uh, Filipinos, um, not just for uh, to become medical doctors, but to become nurses, um, because they, are, they would be viewed as cheap labor that could be exported all mm. over uh, the world and specifically to the United States. So these nursing programs started in the early 1900s. Uh, there's amazing research by Dr. Catherine Sanisa Choi, um, who's done, who wrote about this initially. Um, and I uh, from there, uh, these programs trained these nurses. So when the, the uh, Immigration Act of 1965 happened, there were all of these Filipino nurses who were uh, trained to um, to serve and uh, they they migrated to the United States in mass. Um, yeah. This 1965 is when they put the end to these uh, immigration bans. Um, at the time, only 100 Filipinos per year could come into the country. Um, and so they, uh, they, they put the end to those bans and Filipinos could, could enter. So um, Filipino nurses specifically, but also doctors and engineers and other professionals, um, they uh, they came to the U.S. We oftentimes refer to this as the brain drain. They took some right. of the most talented folks from not just the Philippines, but uh, other parts of the world and, and Asia, especially. Um, and, uh, and and that's why most of the post-1965 folks um, were uh, educated. They were uh, a little different um, in many ways from the farm workers and the laborers um, who from the uh, earlier immigrant mm-hmm. Man, and you so ask why. a question and you yeah. get an answer. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I just want to say, yeah, the COVID nurses, like it's... Uh, it's so like that story being told on a national platform um, has been so meaningful because we know how hard our nurses had been working yes, uh, for decades. Um, and it wasn't just with COVID-19, you know, the very similar thing happened um, in the, uh, the AIDS epidemic of the yep. 80s and 90s, uh, that Filipino nurses were taking these jobs, working overtime um, in ICUs and um, in ERs uh, because no one else wanted to. Um, and uh, back then, and especially Filipinos got paid much less um, right. than white American nurses. Um, and so they were f- viewed as cheap labor. Um, and many times when people think about labor, they think about, you know, people, you know, working in the farms and canneries and things like that. But but nurses are, uh, they they were laborers too, um, who, who didn't get paid well, often faced a lot of discrimination, um, worked with the, those that were deemed disposable um, and yet uh, don't get the recognition that they deserve. No. And, and hopefully this Filipino American History Month, we are talking a little bit more about all of the contributions that they have made and continue to make straight through to this day. Uh, Dr. Kevin Nadal, 
thank you so much for this conversation. I learned yeah. tons. <laughs> thank you so much. And I appreciate your willingness and, and desire to learn. I hope others do too. Um, please visit uh, the Filipino American National Historical Society. We have the National Pinoy Archives. Uh, we're, we're online at fonds-national.org. Um, and, you know, really what you don't know, like try to find out. Yeah, um, and I it's hope fun. People, yeah, it is fun. <laughs> and I hope people like, you know, we have the internet now. Like there's so right. much out there. So we don't know. have to rely on what's being taught in schools. Exactly. We can actually do do our own work. Professor, thank you so much for this conversation. So Please much. come back Appreciate anytime. It. I will. I, I'd love to. Thank you so much for having me. Happy Stay safe. Thank you. You too. Thank you all so much for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Zerlina Maxwell, at Jess underscore MC, and at Signal Boost Show. 